you could tell God's sheep, huh? Hallelujah. And it don't matter, hallelujah, how ratchet we get. It don't matter how sinful we get. It don't matter where you find us. But when God starts talking to us, something happens on the inside of us. Huh? We could be gangbanging. We could be clubbing. We could be drugging. We could be out in the streets. We could be running women, running men. But when we hear God's voice, no matter what we doing, huh? the true people of God, the children of God, we look up and we say, who said that? Who said that? And it's something about God's voice to the true people of God. Hallelujah. Let's look at John, John 12. Hallelujah. And we'll start reading, amen, at verse 1. So let's look at it. And I'm going to read it. You read it a little bit faster so we don't get caught up too long. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made a supper for him. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Uh, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying had she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews, the Hebrews, therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Hebrews went away and believed on Jesus. Most High, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for these exciting days that we are part of. We give you praise for these last days and all that you're doing in our people. Father, continue to have your way. Continue to bless us as we bless and glorify your name. And in this service, we give you the liberty to have your way. If anything is not pleasing to you, take it out of us, God. We pray, God, just relinquishing authority over our own hearts, over our own minds, over our own souls, over our own families, over our businesses, over our job, God. If it's not pleasing to you, Daddy, take it out of us, God. And we just pray, God, that somehow, God, Hallelujah. As we let you have your way, God, that you'll get the more glory, the more honor, the more praise from us, God. Help us, God, to be better, to do better, God, to serve you better, Father God. We want to go down in history, God, as one of the best churches during the 2000s, God, one of the best churches in our generation, God. God, we thank you, God, that we've been born for such a time as this, God, and it's not happenstance. It's, 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 not, it's not an accident that we are here in this this hour in this church God so help us God bless us God to let you have your way in this place and in our lives save somebody but bless us all in Yahshua Jesus name we pray amen 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 come on give y'all some praise 
give y'all some praise. Hallelujah. 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 And so, saints, we're going to get started. Amen. Brothers, great job. Amen. Y'all did awesome. Amen. Come on, give y'all some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And hallelujah. Brian then told me your pedigree, Brother Corey. And, and I told Brian to, to go ahead and plan and prepare us a full assemble of instruments one day. Did he talk with you about that? Yeah, I wanted orchestra style. I wanted full. Amen. We want everything up in here because I know that you can do it. Amen. And so we'll get with that and you'll get with me and we're going to do that. We want to bless the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give y'all some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank y'all so much, Josh and Lincoln. Hallelujah as well. And so, saints of God, we've been looking at chapter 12, amen, as Jesus returns to Bethany after raising Lazarus from the grave. And we noticed that Bethany had changed uh, because of the miracle that Jesus, Yahshua, had did in the city, amen. And, and, and Bethany no longer was just Bethany. It was called Bethany, the place where Lazarus, who was dead, and is now risen. And so the miracle changed Bethany, but it not only touched the city, it also touched, amen, other people who witnessed it. Hallelujah. And so what we've been doing, we've been looking at five characters in our text, amen, to see how they responded to the miracle of Yahshua raising up Lazarus from the grave. And so if you remember, we looked at Martha. Hallelujah. And Martha's response to the miracle of Yahshua raising her brother was service. Martha say, hallelujah, because you did this for me for the rest of my life, I'll serve you. Anybody hear me up in here? And so that's what Martha did. She served. And if you remember, hallelujah, Martha served for God. She didn't serve for people, y'all. She didn't serve, hallelujah, for money. She didn't serve, hallelujah, for the church. She didn't serve for pastors and ministers. Amen. She served for who? For God. And we implored you that as you serve in this ministry or anywhere else you serve, don't serve for me. Don't serve for first lady. Don't serve for your ministry heads. Serve for who? For God. Listen, because people change, but God always stay the same. Amen. So you got to serve for God. Amen. People will make you upset. Amen. But God gonna always do right in your life. So continue to serve, but serve for God so that when God come back, he'll find you doing what he put you doing. Anybody hear me up in here? Because God ain't gonna want to hear about what somebody else did or what's happened to somebody else. God gonna say, where were you and what were you doing? You see? So remember, keep serving, man. And as we in these last days and we doing these these holy days and these feasts, amen, it's going to be plenty of opportunities for service. Amen. And you got to get yourself ready to serve. Amen. Because Martha served because of the goodness of Yah. Come on, give y'all some praise up in this place. Amen. We noticed that Lazarus was another person who was affected by this whole raising uh, from the grave. Amen. He was affected because it happened to him. Hallelujah. And what was his response? His response was a testimony. Lazarus testified of the power of God. And here we are in 2022, y'all, and we have to do the same thing. 
When Yah blesses us, we got to testify. We got to show forth the praises of our God. Anybody hear me? And it's two character, two uh, uh, areas that we got to really show forth the praises. Our salvation and his wonderful works in our lives. Remember, y'all, that's where we got the whole concept. We don't put down bragging on ourselves. Hallelujah. But we got to pick up bragging on who? Bragging on God. That's what we got to do. That's the only way the world going to know how good he is if we tell the world what he's done for us in our lives. Come on, give y'all some praise. We got to brag on God. Amen. Next, we look at Mary and her response. And Mary had a bifurcated response because her response enveloped two particular things. When she poured out that ointment, that spikenard, which was very costly, and wiped the feet of our Savior with a Hebrew locked up hair. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It did two things. It was an example of giving, and it was also an example of worship. Her giving was extravagant. We looked at, hallelujah, the monetary figures in today's day. Amen. It would have been $60,000, $70,000. But for her to give to God who had given her so much, it meant nothing to her because it all belonged to him. Anybody hear me up in here? So she lavished that praise upon her Savior, her Redeemer, her Maker. And that's why we give, y'all. Don't get caught up giving for people. Don't get caught up giving for this. Listen, you give to the work of God because God has been good to you. The devil will try to take your attention on everybody else but God, huh? Because he knows if you focus on God and you're giving, you're never going to stop giving. There'll be no limit to your giving. And when you give, it shall be given right back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. So the devil don't want that in your life. He don't want that in your life. So you have you focusing on everybody but God to stifle your giving. No, we give because God has given us so much. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. Hallelujah. And her, her gift was also a symbol of worship. Huh? Somebody say worship. And that root of that word is worth because she was showing her God how much he was worth to her. Huh? So she worshiped. She gave him the best, an extravagant worship. And so we have to worship. And we come here every Sunday, y'all, and we see each other, and that's fine. But when we come here, especially when our team, who's just been operating in worship excellence, we have to purposefully and intentionally press in unto our God. We can't be focused on the people around us, who's there and who's not there, because let me tell you who's here when we worship him. Yahweh is here. Remember to be preoccupied with God when you come here. Show him his worth. Show him his value. Don't you get caught up with the accoutrements and the, and the, and the, and, and the people around. Don't get caught up with that. We are here for him. He is valuable to us. And we get together once a week to show him that. And you don't want to miss huh? showing God, hallelujah, what he means to you. And so remember, huh? remember, keep that in mind. As you come here on Sunday mornings, huh? keep worship, hallelujah, in your heart. Be preoccupied with God. You can think about other things when you leave here. 
huh? But when you're here, think about your father, huh? Come on, give him praise up in here. Come on, give him praise up in here. Hallelujah. Don't even think about me. Don't even think about who's singing the song, huh? Look to the hills from which come at your help, huh? If, you, if, if somebody up here distract you, look up, <laughs> huh? They're going to think you're crazy. You're looking at the ceiling top, huh? And if that's what you got to do, you do what you have to do. We are here to worship Yah. Come on, give him some praise up in here. <laughs> Lastly, we talked about Judas. Because the truth is, is that as miracles happen and as God moves for us and in our lives, not everybody going to be happy, y'all. Not everybody is happy or not everybody's going to have a good response when God moves. It's just the way it is. And Judas was one who gave us an example of a negative response when God moved. God moved and Martha served. God moved and, and, and Lazarus testified. God moved and, and Mary worshiped and gave. Well, God moved and Judas was caught up with greed and theft and stealing and was all about him. How could he make some money of the miracle of God? And that's how it happens, y'all. And we got to be careful huh, that our response is not negative. That our response when the miracles happen is not selfish. That our response is not greed. Huh? Serving God has never been about money. And even when you are blessed for serving him, because listen, God will never let you serve him long without blessing you. He's a good God. He's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. When you serve, the blessing is coming. But normally you're going to serve for free first. Then the blessing going to come because God want to know why you're doing it. And sometimes we get the cart before the horse. Sometimes we begin to pay people too fast. Huh? Because we pay them when they serve, but, but they never got that servant heart yet. You see, when you're serving for real, you don't serve for money. You serve before the money come. And even if the money was stopped, guess where you're going to still be? Serving the most high God. Anybody hear me up in here? Judas wasn't like that. Judas was caught up on some material things, you know. And let me tell you, don't ever let that happen. Listen, we putting y'all to work. It's a season of work here, all right. And I'm gonna tell y'all right now, we got so much work to do. I can't pay all y'all. You understand what I'm saying? We can't pay y'all, man. Huh? But let me tell you, who can pay you? Let me tell you, who gonna reward you? Let me tell you, who gonna give you some stuff? That pastor can't give you. You understand what I'm saying? Open doors that pastor can't open. I need you teaching in that Sunday school. I need you serving in that line. I, I, oh, God. And it ain't me that needs you. It's God that needs you. And it's not me that's going to bless you. It's God that's going to bless you. Judas, he got, he got it wrong, y'all. That greed got upon him. The money, the ointment could have been sold for so much money, you know. It was only because he kept the bag and was stealing out of it. This morning, hallelujah, we go and we, we look at our last uh, uh, character, a group of characters, the last response to the miracle. And we're going to talk about the Pharisees. Somebody say the Pharisees. Pharisees. 
Yep. And, and we get we getting it mostly from nine and ten, but we're going to even go beyond nine, ten and eleven. Amen. And, and, and look at the Pharisees and their response to the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the grave. So once again, saints, Philadelphia, amen, those that are here corporately, physically, corporally, but also those that's on live stream, hey God, listen closely. Not everyone will be happy when God supernaturally intervenes and blesses you with a miracle in your life. You would think that everybody would celebrate with you. Huh? When he come through and, and give you that house, when he come through and bless you with that call, when he come through and he release you in your ministry, he bless you with uh, your gifts, hey God, bless you with a husband, a wife, a child, huh? And you like rejoice with me, huh? But not everybody going to rejoice with you. Not everybody going to be happy, y'all. Not everybody going to respond the correct way. In fact, let me get you ready now. In fact, some people will hate you more and even try to harm you after God blesses you with your dreams. All right. While Phil was doing the offering, he allowed you to be able to envision what you wanted from God. And I want to tell you that sometimes when you can see it on the inside is when God will give it to you. Anybody hear me up in here? So I'm believing with that spiritual exercise that that manifestation is going to be happening in your life soon. All right. But while I didn't know Phil was going to do that, but while he did that and you about to get that manifestation, realize that haters huh, and and people, hallelujah, like the Pharisees, they're not going to be happy for what God is about to do for you. In our text this morning, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus because of the miracle. They not only wanted to kill Jesus, but they also wanted to kill Lazarus again. Now, the man was just dead. Huh? He didn't die once. Now they want to kill him again. Uh, somebody say, leave Lazarus alone. He done been through so much, y'all. Won't kill that man again. You see? You see? But it was all a response to the miracle. Huh? In fact, to be honest with you, Deacon Carl, this is the immediate, natural, physical reason why Jesus goes to the cross. This miracle is the cherry on top, the icing on the cake that makes the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of our people, conclusively decide we got to get rid of this boy. You see, this right here, a miracle. Huh? Huh? You got to understand. Huh? Miracles cost. And it cost Yahshua to raise Lazarus. It cost him. You see? Hallelujah. So don't let God waste no miracles on you. Anybody hear me up in here? All right. Keep going, Pastor. Some people will hate you and try to harm you for the miracles in your life. I have in my notes, you would think that the Pharisees would, would, would surrender after they see that miracle. That they would capitulate, that they would just say, all right, the man raised a man from the grave after being in the, in the grave. How long? Four days. Huh? You would think they would surrender and say, oh, yeah, yeah, he the real deal. Huh? But nah, they didn't. In fact, Jesus taught us early on that if one would rise from the grave, 
Those who won't believe still won't believe. In Luke 16, 31, and he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they don't hear the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. All right? Because for some people, it's not about seeing. For some people, it's not about if somebody real or not. For some people, they just won't believe. They just won't jump on the side of God. They just, they just, they, and it could be obvious, y'all. It could be obvious that God is moving, that God is doing something, but it don't matter, y'all. It don't matter. You could split the sea in front of them. And they're going to say, yeah, but, yeah, but. They still won't believe. You done encountered that before? You done seen that before? Some of your friends and family members, God moving, there's no way else this thing could have happened but the sovereign power and omnipotence of God. And they look at you like they ain't seen nothing special. You see? You say, Pastor, why? Why won't they believe? Why won't they believe and why even after they see it, and I'm thinking they're going to believe, they only hate more and they try to tear me down and harm me even more. Pastor, tell me why. There's three reasons. Three reasons why people like the Pharisees seek to hate and harm Jesus even after the miracle. And three reasons why people are going to do the same thing in your life. As God manifests his glory upon you and take you places where you ain't never been in places where you should not be. It's obvious that it's God, but they still look at you and they say, I don't believe. Why would they do that? Three reasons. Three reasons. Number one, salvation. Salvation. Salvation or lack thereof. Huh? Pastor, what you mean? Some people will act like the Pharisees and hate you and try to harm you. Even when God do great things for you and split seas in your life. Why, Pastor? Because they're not saved, y'all. They're not saved. Sometimes, y'all, we could be a little bit foolish as Christians. We're expecting people to rejoice with us and to believe, huh? We're expecting them to celebrate God, huh? But they're not even saved yet. They're not even on the right team yet. They're not even on the right side yet. Their heart has not been changed and converted just yet. And so we are flabbergasted, huh? When we see their response, but we shouldn't be because they're not saved just yet. Anybody hear me up in here? And this one is for the believers. What else should they do? Why are you expecting more? They are not saved, huh? Jesus tells us and in John chapter 8, he's talking to the Hebrews, and I'm going to read it. And if you can be patient with me, we're going to run through it. And I believe it's going to be revelatory for you. Because you're sitting here struggling and stressing about people who should be on your side, but they're not on your side. And you're like, why, God? Why? Huh? And I want to tell you, they don't know the Lord yet. And even some of them you think know the Lord. Huh? I got a word for you. They don't know the Lord yet. And even some of them in church that you think they, sh they should know the Lord, I got a word for you. They don't know the Lord yet. 
And even some that might even be, hallelujah, serving in the church, huh? Teaching classes and, and ministry heads and, and deacons and deaconesses and, and maybe even ministers, maybe even pastors in your life, huh? And they should be on your side. But guess what? I got a word for you. They still don't know the Lord yet. Anybody hear me up in here? Yeah, 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 yeah. If Judas could be in the original 12 and not be saved, you can have people in the upper echelons in the church and still don't know God. You see? And we up in here fooled by people. You know? But if we really thought about it for a while and we really examined their actions, let me get to it, let me get to it. We would know what's really going on. All right? So Jesus goes off in John 8, 37. He's talking to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of our time. They run what we would classify as the church, the synagogue. They run the religious establishment. You know, they pretty much tantamount to the popes, the priests, the pastors, the bishops of the church in Jesus' day. Jesus is outside of the establishment. Huh? He hasn't been uh, 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 touched by them, ordained by them. He's completely outside of them. Why? Because the whole establishment is rotten to the core. And when the establishment is rotten to the core, God has to do a new thing. Anybody hear me up in here? Huh? Look at your neighbor and say, God's doing a new thing. So, so, so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And he tells them, I know that you are Abraham's seed. Huh? That's what he tells him. He says, I know you're Abraham's seed. I know you're related to Abraham. Huh? Now, I'm going to get here in a second. They might not be related to Jacob. Woo! Because <laughs> the Pharisees had a lot of Edomites in their ranks. Anybody hear me up in here? Not all of them, huh? He never said you were related to Jacob, huh? Hallelujah. He said you were related to Abraham. I know you're Abraham's seed. Now, how many people know you can be related to Abraham by blood but not by spirit? Anybody hear me up in here? Huh? And you can be a Hebrew by blood, but not a believer in the spirit. Amen. Huh? And that's the way that works. And so I know you're Abraham's seed, but Jesus said, but you seek to kill me. Huh? You're trying to hurt me. You're trying to harm me. Why? Because my word has no place in you. Huh? And Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, y'all. He told them his word has no place in him. This literally means that my word, when it jump on you, when you hear it, huh? it, it can't find a place to rest on you. You ain't giving it no place to rest on you. Huh? So therefore, my word makes no progress in you. My word does not advance in you. My word does not gain ground in you. My word does not influence you. My word don't change you. You see? And Jesus is saying that, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's speaking to the unsaved right here. He's speaking to the lost right here. Those that don't know the Father and not affected by his word. You see, the truly saved hears the vo Father's voice. They not only hear it, they know the Father's voice. And when they hear it and know it, guess what happens? They follow the Father's voice. And that's how you could tell God's sheep. Huh? Hallelujah. And it don't matter, hallelujah, how ratchet we get. It don't matter how sinful we get. It don't matter where you find us. But when God starts talking to us, something happens on the inside of us. Huh? We could be gangbanging. We could be clubbing. We could be drugging. We could be out in the streets. We could be running women, running men. But when we hear God's voice, no matter what we're doing, huh? the true people of God, the children of God, we look up and we say, who said that? 
Who said that? And it's something about God's voice to the true people of God. And God's about to tell us right here through Jesus Christ that, hallelujah, the true children hear the voice. The true children are affected by the word. But the ones that's not his children, they can't hear it. They're not affected by it. In fact, his word has no place in them. You see? And that's a dangerous place to be. Does the word have place in you this morning? Are you attracted to it? Do you have to be here to listen to it? When you're here, does it go into the cracks and crevices of your heart, searching out the places where God not pleased with you? When it's going in there to do business with you, huh? Are you running from it or do you take it like a man or a woman? Huh? Huh? When you leave here, does it influence you? Does it change you? Do you think about it during your week when you, when you go to do something wrong and you hear your father's voice saying, hold up, not that much, not that bad? Does it, does it affect you? Huh? I'm talking about the true children of God. Because that's the way we operate. But there's some that don't operate like that. They could leave here and not be affected. They could sit up and hear the same word that you hear and run out of here and immediately do wrong. Huh? With no effect. No thoughts, no conviction, no nothing. Which child are you this morning? Which flock are you a part of this morning? Are you a part of the, part of the father's flock? Or are you a part of the other flock that I'm about to talk about? He continues in, in 38 and he says, I speak that which I have seen of my father, Jesus says, and you do that which you have seen of your father. So you got to understand they got two fathers on that. And we got to decide who's your daddy. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? All right, now look at your other neighbor that's not related to you and then say, who's your daddy? Yeah, yeah, because we're going to find out this morning. We're going to find out this morning who your daddy is. And I'm not talking about your natural daddy because some, some, some of us, we ain't going to never figure out that. But, but I'm, talking about, I'm talking about your spiritual daddy. I'm talking about your spiritual daddy. Who's your daddy this morning? Because your spiritual daddy is more important than your physical daddy. Anybody hear me up in here? And when your spiritual daddy is God, you operate a certain way. And when your spiritual daddy is somebody else, you're going to operate a certain way. It's only two different seeds on the earth, y'all. It's only two different seeds. There's the seed of God and the seed of the enemy. And Yahshua told us that. He said, hey, God, in the beginning of time, the, the, the farmer, he planted good seed. And then the enemy came and sold some bad seed. There's only two seeds out there. Anybody hear me up in here? I don't want to get too deep for some of y'all. But whose seed are you this morning? You see? Jesus said, I, I, I'm only speaking what I've seen of my father. And that's a capital A, capital F up there. And you do that what you've seen of your father because you got another daddy. In 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. You see, they didn't miss the whole thing. He ain't talking about a natural father. They going, they looking at their genealogy. He ain't talking about their genealogy. He talking about their spiritual birth. He said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Jesus said, spiritually, if you were related to Abraham, you would do what Abraham did. Because Abraham always obeyed. Abraham always wanted to do the right thing. Abraham always heard the voice of God. Abraham was, was sensitive to the word of God. And if you was really spiritually the children of Abraham, you would do what Abraham did. But you ain't doing that. 
He tells them in verse 40, he says, hallelujah, but now ye seek to kill me. A man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. See, they seeking to hurt, to harm Jesus, because Jesus is telling them the truth. You got to watch yourself when you're in the presence of truth. When you're in the presence of truth, your reaction to truth will tell you who's your daddy. Are you hearing me up in here? When you're in the presence of truth and truth hits you, huh? Hit you like a ton of bricks. Anybody hear me? Hit you like a, a wet backhand slap. Anybody hit me? Huh? When you're in the presence of truth, huh? But when you're in the presence of truth and truth hits you like a, a old bag of fish in the face. Anybody hear me up in here? And, and when you're in the presence of that truth and when it hits you and you stay there and you take that and you blame nobody but yourself when you hear that truth. And you blame yourself and you say, yeah, I done did it, huh? And you a man and you a woman about your business. Listen, God can respect that and I can respect that. I respect people when they hear truth. They're not looking to blame it on nobody else. They say, yeah, I did it, God. I did it. It was me. It was me that lost my temper. It was me that was running around. It was me that did that. I did that, God. And I ain't blaming nobody. That's the way the seed of God act. The seed of the devil get mad at the truth. And look for somebody. They get mad when they expose. When, when the truth come out, they looking. Who just said that? Who told pastor that? I ain't even like this place. They start talking about stuff that ain't got nothing to do with what's really going on. They mad because God doesn't expose what they really doing, huh? And they get mad. Start talking about the sound in the church. Start talking about the cameras in the church. Start talking about Pastor Old Bob that don't fit right because his head big. They start talking about all kind of stuff in the church. Want to lead a church because this and that. You know what done happened? Truth done hit them. Truth done hit them. Truth done hit them. And God's seed accept truth, but Satan's seed rejects truth. Jesus said, they seek to kill me because I told you the truth. How you respond to the truth this morning? What you do in the presence of the truth? Huh? Do you get more mad at God because God tell you the truth? You see, the true children, you got to be soft and malleable under that truth. You got to have a broken and a contrite heart under that truth. You got to weep sometimes under that truth. You got to come to church and if God reveal what you're doing in your secret time, God reveal what you're doing in your house at night when nobody know, huh? You don't get mad at the preacher and think that the preacher got a recording device stack in your house or in your car. You don't get mad like that. What you do, you say, God is in this place and I knew it not. The anointing of prophecy is here and I knew it not. That's how we respond to truth. And the way you respond to truth, go answer the question, who's your daddy? You see, 41, Jesus said, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Now, Ms. Denise, we got to look at this with an eye to history and to context and the rumors and the slander that we know the Pharisees would speak against Jesus. You see, they didn't believe in the virgin birth. They didn't believe that Jesus was the son of the living God. They didn't believe that he was the only begotten of the father. When the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, brood over Mary, huh? And the angel told Mary, this holy thing that shall come out of you shall be called the son of God. They didn't believe that. So the rumor went out that Jesus was born of fornication.
that Joseph and Mary had got together before they was married. That, that if it wasn't Joseph and Mary, another rumor was, was that Mary was a street woman, a harlot, running around at night. And Jesus was born, huh, through sin. And that's why they could say he was, a, he was Beelzebub and he was the child of the devil, you see? And so when they talking to Jesus, huh, and Jesus hitting them with the truth, huh, they don't react and say, yeah, I got to get myself right. I got to check who my daddy is. You know what they do? They try to slander Jesus. They try to come out on Jesus on the cool and joke with Jesus. And they say, Jesus, look at this since you know the history now. They say, Jesus said, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, and they're looking at each other. We be not born of fornication like you, Jesus, huh? because your mama was all over the place. We weren't born of fornication. We have one father, even God. You see? That was that slander. Sometimes that's the way we act when we're not right under the word of God. We want to slander. We want to talk. Huh? And in your life, as you operate in the prophetic, you know what's going to happen? You come in to drop a word to somebody that God put on your heart. His word is like fire shut up in your bones. You can't even rest until you deliver it. And you go deliver it because it's life. You go deliver it because, hallelujah, it's an opportunity for the person who you package and delivering this thing to, to repent, to change, for God to bless them, for them to stay away from danger and not go into that place where they're heading to destruction. And you drop that out the goodness of your heart. And it's going to come a day when you give them a word and you're trying to bring them to God where they're going to blame you for the good that you're doing. They're going to blame you for the, for, the, for the life you're trying to give them. And they may slander you. They may talk about your past and talk about how you was born the same way they talk about Jesus was born. Jesus ain't had no, 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 hallelujah. He wasn't talking about them to hurt them. He was talking about them to help them, to get them right. And he they talking about his mama. Huh? Huh? And I'm telling you, some of y'all, man, you're going to prophesy and they're going to talk about your mama. And they're going to talk about your daddy. And they're going to talk about your past. And your past ain't got nothing to do with the word that you're delivering in the present. Anybody hear me up in here? Huh? That's what they're going to do. And I'm here to encourage you that when they do it, huh, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Huh? They just unsaved. Huh? They just not God's seed, either yet or definitely. Ooh, God have mercy. Huh? But don't take it personal. If they talked about Jesus, they're going to talk about you. Come on, give y'all some praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was a low blow they gave him, deacon, huh? Hallelujah. But continuing on in the scripture, I'm hoping y'all not asleep right now. Hallelujah. 42, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. Mm. <laughs> they say God is our father. Jesus said, no, let me clarify something right here. If God were your father, you would love me. Huh? Why? Because the Bible teaches that everyone who has been, has, has been begotten of God loves the others who have be, been begotten of God as well. What does this mean? When you are a child of God, you are going to love the other children of God. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? And this is another way that we can tell who's your daddy. 
Do you love the people of God? Huh? Do you love them? In your heart. Huh? I'm not talking about on Sundays. I'm not talking about when you see them. I'm not talking about the little empty vein works that we do. I'm talking about in your heart. The way you treat them. Huh? The way you respect them. The way you talk to them. The way you look out for their good and not trying to stab them in the back. The way that you're not slandering them and you don't put your mouth on them. Do you love the people of God? Do you look out for their good? Do you want them to be blessed? Do you want their family to be blessed? Huh? Do you look out for them? Huh? Pastor, what is love? Love is patient. Are you patient with the people of God? Love is kind. Are you kind to the people of God? Huh? Love, hey, God, it, 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 it puffeth not up. Are you super proud with the people of God? Come up in here, big chest. Serve me. I'm the boss. Well, that's how you act with the people of God? Huh? Huh? Are you selfish with the people of God? Because love is not self-seeking. Huh? Are you rude to the people of God? Because love is not rude. Huh? Do you love the people of God? Because love will show who's your daddy. Let me tell you something right now. Jesus says, by this shall you know that all men, that all men shall know that you are my disciples. By the love you show to one another. Listen to me good. If you don't love the people of God in your heart of hearts, huh? It'll show who's your daddy. Do you love the people of this church? Huh? Do you love them? I'm talking about in your heart of hearts. Because people can act like they love you, yeah. And they don't really love you. You see? The love going to be seen, is going to be shown. And when you're in their presence, you're going to see it. You see? I've been tricked many a times about people who say they love you, you know? But John said, don't, don't love in word only, love in deed. Huh? Anybody hear me up in here? All right? And the people that don't love you, man, they'll mess you up, man. They'll make you think that they love you, and the people that really love you don't love you. You see? And that's a bad trick of the devil, man. Sometimes you could throw away the true people in your life for fake people. Because you don't really know what love is. <laughs> you know when you're in the presence of love, you can feel it? Because our heart responds to it. You can feel it. You can not only feel it, you can see it. It's in their disposition. I'm trying to give you the discernment of it. And those that can discern it, they know it. You know it. You know? And sometimes people can talk about the people that love you, and you so you're not in their presence. And so when they, when they talk about them, the Bible says a, a slander or separated chief friends. And so you're not in their presence and people talking about them, and you're like, yeah, there's something wrong with them, something wrong. And you don't like them when they're not in their presence. But then when you get in their presence, you feel the love of God again. You know? I pray, Philadelphia, that you can discern the love of God. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. You see? Because they got a counterfeit one that's out there. You know? Jesus said, if you were, 
if God was your father, you would love me. So, so check your relationships in him. Check them. Check how you get along with the people of God in this church. Check them. Check how you talk to the people of God in this church. Check it. Check if you slander and try to tear down the people of God to put yourself up. Check it. As you check those things, you're going to figure out who's your daddy. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. I'm going in. I'm going in. I ain't letting nothing. I ain't holding nothing back. I'm telling you, it's the love, Miss Mary. It's the love. It's the love. Oh, yeah, and you're going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to see it. And you're going to be able to feel it. You see? You know, God not with us all the time. He really not. And when I say that, I mean that in a, in a very physical way. There's people that love you that won't be able to be there physically all the time with you. It's just the nature of life. All right? But it don't mean that they don't love you. If they could, they would be there with you all the time. They would talk on the phone with you all the time and be to your house all the time. You see? But because of other things, maybe they can't. But does that mean that that person don't love you? You know? So that's God's love for us. And so he created a garden and put everything that we need in it. And anytime we need something, he never going to let us go without. Anytime we call upon him, he's going to do his best to make it himself or send somebody, one of his angels, one of his people. He's going to always do something to get there. You see? You see? Because he loves us. You see? But that old serpent was in the garden. Closer. And Adam and Eve bought the lie. Hook, line, and sinker. Do you really know who love your child of God? Huh? Do you really know? As we continue in this text, look what he says. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And I love the way Jesus deals with the liar right here. First off, he tell them off, if you was of God, you would love me. Secondly, he say, and about this thing about Mary being a fornicator? About Mary being a street woman, about me being the product of fornication, Jesus said, baby, in case you didn't know, I proceeded from the father. I came from him. I ain't came from Joseph. I came from him. I ain't came from Jerusalem. I ain't came from Bethlehem. I ain't come from no street engagement. No, he, proceed, he said, I proceeded from the father. And the Bible clears that up because, listen, he's the only begotten of our heavenly father. He is the son of God. He said, why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word? He said, y'all can't hear me. And we got to understand that the two seeds speak on two different wavelengths. The seed of God and the seed of the devil speak on two different channels. Huh? Huh? The seed of the devil speak through cups with a, with a thread connected through it. But we on, we, we, we on cell phones, huh? You understand what I'm saying? It's two different, two different frequencies, and they can't hear each other. You got to understand this about God's people 
and the devil's people. They cannot hear each other. That's how you know who your daddy is. Can you hear the people of God? Can you hear the word of God? And can you understand it? Jesus said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father. Now we find out who the father is. You have the father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus dropped the mic on the boat. He said, is the reason why you don't love me? You're trying to hurt me. You're trying to harm me because I, my father is God the father and your father is, is Lucifer. It's Satan. We on two different teams. And he tells them right away, y'all. He said, in the lust of your father, you will do. Huh? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth. So the people who are not the children of God, the unsaved, either temporarily or those that sons of perdition indefinitely, huh? they will not, hallelujah, believe your miracle. They will not believe the blessings of God in your life. They will not join and rejoice with you. They're going to hate you more. They're going to try to harm you. Why? Because their father is the devil. And they're going to act like the devil act. He was a murderer, so they're going to be murderers too. He abode not in truth. What that means, abode not in truth? He couldn't stay in heaven. Heaven is where truth is. He couldn't stay in heaven. It was too true up there. It was too holy up there. It was too right up there. He had to get out of there. He could not abode in truth. What does it mean, Pastor? No truth is in him. When he speaketh, he a lie, he speaketh of his own native tongue. And Jesus is trying to tell us here. He said, listen, listen. Don't be surprised when people hate you and try to harm you. Don't be surprised, hallelujah, when you tell them the truth and they can't receive the truth. Don't be surprised when they try to hurt you or murder you or your reputation just for telling them the truth. Don't be surprised when they only believe lies and speak lies. Huh? Don't be surprised about that because their father is not God, but their father is the devil himself. Let me drop that on you this morning. There's some in your midst that you know who are so wicked, so dark, so manipulative and diabolical. The only people Jesus can relate them to is Satan himself. And he calls them their children. You know, I pray that be none of us in this place this morning. None of us. That all we hear is lies and can't hear the truth. All we receive is lies and can't receive the truth. All we want to do is hurt God's people and not love them. You see, who's your daddy this morning? Examine yourself. You see, I have in my notes, listen, you're going to meet people like this. The unsaved, the wicked on the inside. Sons and daughters of perdition. Yeah, that's where we want to be. And guess what else? You thinking they're going to be out on the streets. 
But guess what? Some of them going to be in the church. Ooh, y'all not hearing me up in here. Y'all not, man, I'm telling y'all, I'm preaching, man. I come here to preach. I come here to get truth. You see? Some of them going to be in the church. You see? Yeah. Dark, wicked. And let me tell you this. Deep down inside, we know who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, deep down inside, and they, they you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know, they could trick us for a little while, but deep down inside, we know exactly who they are. Because Jesus said you would know a tree by what? By their fruit. You know their fruit. You know how they operate. You know how wicked that is. You, you know it. That's why in the end at Judgment Day, it's going to be no excuse, y'all. God's going to be like, you did what? <laughs> you did what? And you knew how that? And you knew? You see? So this is the first reason, y'all. This is the first reason why they didn't receive the miracle and wanted to hate and harm Jesus. Huh? The first reason. They wasn't saved. They was children of the devil. You see? Don't follow no child of the devil, no. Don't follow no child of the devil, man. You see? Don't do that. You know? Wolves in sheep's clothing. You see? Move on to the second point, Pastor. Why did they hate and try to harm Yahshua and Lazarus? Because of fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness. Y'all still up out there? I'm trying to take my time because I'm, I'm, I'm dropping some stuff on y'all, man, that listen, I'm, I'm telling you, man. You know how long it took me after I was saved to figure out who was real in church and who wasn't? You know how God, how God had to put me in another city for me to get this thing out? For me to understand this thing? He had to move me from Lafayette to go to Baton Rouge to teach me that everybody in the church is not the church. Because you could be up in here leaving church, blaming church for people that's not even the church. You see? Fear and selfishness. The second reason why the Pharisees responded with hate and harm, hallelujah, was fear and selfishness. For this, we go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And in John 11, look what it says. Hallelujah. It says, hallelujah. Uh, uh, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did and believed on him. All right? But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Listen, the two, the two groups are, are immediately made plain in this verse. Many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, what did one group do? They believed on him. They saw the miracles. They saw what God was doing, and they said, ooh, this got to be God, and they believed. Now watch what the second group did, 46. But some of them went their ways to the what? The Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. They didn't even believe. They didn't even believe. They went to the Pharisees. 
the two groups, God's people, God's seed, and the devil's seed made manifest in these two verses right here. You see? And let me tell you something about the two groups. Let me just drop a little revelation on you right here, right fast. The two groups hang together. The two groups hang together. Because birds of a feather, you see, it's like, it's like fractions. It's like, it's like mathematics. Those that have a common denominator can be in relationship. You can add one over two plus, hallelujah, uh, 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 one over two. You can add that together because they have a common denominator. People who are not God's children have something in common. A lot in common, actually. They get mad at the truth. They don't love the people of God. Huh? Huh? They slander, they, 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 how do they talk? They, they try to injure when God's work is being done. And so they have a common denominator. So they all congregate together. One group believed and celebrated Jesus. The other group got together to talk about it. Which group you in this morning? Who you hanging with? Who you with this morning? And I understand, boy, it's quiet up in here, Miss Amisha. Everybody just, who is quiet up in here? We having, we having church up in here this morning. Who you hanging with? Because sometimes you can't see the devil's fingerprints on yourself. So if you can't do a self-examination, look at the people who you call friends who you talk to on the phone all the time, who you're rolling with. Do they love the people of God? Do they love the word of God? Do they receive rebuke from the truth of God? Huh? Who you hanging with? Who you with this morning? Because in every church you got pockets of the devil's seed. And when you part of the devil's seed, guess what? You come to church, and listen, you'll be here a week. And guess what pocket you're going to slip into? The devil's seed. Sometimes you got to change who you're hanging with. Ignatius was singing, he said, if it's not pleasing to you. Take it out of me. Worship team was singing, huh? They say, they say, they say, hallelujah, even if it's people, God. <laughs> Take them away from me. Take me away from them. Whatever's not pleasing to you, God, have your way. Prophetically speaking, there's some people you've been hanging with who God don't want you around. Some of y'all, y'all children of God, and y'all caught in a coven, huh? A click of the devil's seed. And you can't grow. You can't be blessed. You can't be all that God has for you, that God wants you to be, huh? Because you're hanging with the wrong folk. 
They're not pulling the best out of you. They're pulling the worst out of you. Huh? They're not putting you in position. They're getting you out of position. And you got to be so in love with God this morning that you got to say, God, have your way. Get them people out of my life. I need to get in right position. That's how we have to be, y'all. And it's not for nobody. It's for God. I want to ask you, who is worth your relationship with God? Who is worth your relationship with God? Who would you give up? Your relationship with God for? Who is it? Is it your wife? Your husband? Your children? When I heard in the spirit just now, when I say your wife or your husband, some woman of God said, You better go sit down. <laughs> he lucky I'm with him now. You know what I'm saying? Playing around. Who is worth your relationship with God? Who is worth you serving God? Who is worth you worshiping God? Who is worth you being in the position, in the place where God wants you? Who's worthy of that? No one. No one is worthy of you getting out of position. Of you telling God, I don't care how good a friend they are. I don't care how good of a wife, a husband, a child they are. Because at the end of the day, on that judgment day, God ain't calling up pairs. He ain't calling up couples. He ain't calling up families. And he ain't calling up cliques and friends. God is calling you to that throne to, to meet with him face to face. Face to face. Had a vision last night that I was getting ready for judgment. I was getting ready. It was a vision. And I'm telling I was talking to first lady and she was like, you, you nervous? I was like, I ain't nervous. I ain't, ner I ain't got nothing on my conscience. I am not nervous. Because I ain't doing this for nobody. I ain't, I, it, just, it, it, don't, it don't depend on nobody. I'm doing this the best way I know how for the glory of Almighty God. And I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm doing it the best I can. And I ain't got nothing on my conscience. Had a dream last night. Hell, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I ain't scared of nothing. I know my Redeemer lives. I know I'm covered by the blood. I ain't worried about a thing. I'm sitting there just waiting. I can't wait to meet the one who done died for all my sins and bled on Calvary's hill. You see what I'm saying? And that's how we got to be, man. We, 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 we can't have, whoo, can't have nothing come between that. You see? If it's not pleasing to you, take it out of me. See? Don't let these folk, these people, limit what God is trying to do in your life. You see? But there were two groups, the God seed and, and the enemy seed, and they congregated together. The enemy seed went straight to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Isn't that something? Oh, like, oh God, let me tell y'all what he did. 
47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. Stop right there. So you admit that he's doing miracles? You admit that God is doing the supernatural through him? And you're still on the other team? You're still hating, you're still harming, you're still hurting, and God is doing miracles? What kind of a new fool are you? It's one thing to fight against a man or a woman, but how you position yourself to fight against God. Anybody hear me over there? And that's what your enemy is going to do when they try to fight against you. They're not fighting against you. Because you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing. You live in places you're not supposed to be living. You have jobs and business you're not supposed to have. Hey God. So when they hate and try to harm you, guess who they're really fighting against? They're fighting against Yahweh. Because he's the one that's doing the miracles. And listen to me. For you. For you. When you see God doing things in somebody's life. That's not supposed to be happening. Don't touch that. Stay away from that. Keep your mouth off that. Keep your hands off that. Don't touch that. Like MC Hammer, you better do the Chinese typewriter and get away from that. Oh, 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 oh. Can't touch that. You know what I'm saying? You stay away from that. Because the Bible says, touch not mine anointed. And do my prophet no harm. Look well into the lives of your brothers and sisters in here. Listen to their testimonies and listen close for the hand of God. And if you see miracles, <laughs> signs, <laughs> wonders, huh? things that's happening that shouldn't be happening. Anybody hear me up in here? If God's hand is touching it, then you keep your hand off of it. Anybody hear me up in here? Woo! That's the wisdom of God. That's how you stay blessed. That's how you stay away from hurting yourself. You see what I'm saying? You got to listen, man. You got to, man. They see the miracles and they still want to harm him. They still want to hurt him. Ain't nobody ever done what this man is doing before in all human history. And they still want to touch him? Oh, you a new fool, baby. You a new fool. In your life, listen, you're doing things that nobody in your family has ever done. Ain't nobody in this what you got and have what you have. Like, ain't nobody in your family. Huh? They pull up to your house, they don't even, even know how to act in your house. They're up in here like they're in a Taj Mahal. They don't know whether to take off their shoes or. Huh? Huh? You getting educated, you got degree. Ain't nobody went to college in your family. You open up business, ain't nobody open no business. They were robbing businesses in your family. You open a business, they robbing businesses. What is that? That's the hand of God. And when they see those miracles, they should keep their hands off. You know? Hands off. I'm anointed by God. Ooh! You see, you see, so we see two groups. Keep on reading, Pastor. I just love this word, y'all. That Bible just talk. Hallelujah. Listen, so, so, so watch this, watch this, what they say. 
Even though they saw the miracles, they still want to touch him. Why? 48. Huh? And remember, we're talking about selfishness and fear. Fear and selfishness. If we let him thus alone, if we keep him and allow him to keep doing these miracles, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away, watch this, both our place and the nation. Ooh. Fear and selfishness. Huh? Oh, come on, Pat. Take your time. Take, I just want to get into it so bad, Deaconess. Hallelujah. I just want to get into it so bad. Listen, fear and selfishness. So the Pharisees were afraid of something. If they would leave Jesus alone, let him keep ministering, they knew that all would believe. Because he working miracles, man. The blind is seeing the deaf is hearing, withered arms being stretched out, the paralytic are being raised. Oh, he raising the dead from the grave. And he feeding 5,000. Listen, I mean, he just, he just cutting up. Listen, everybody about to believe. They say, we just let it happen. Everybody believe. Listen, if they would believe, huh? Uh, 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 they say, the Romans will come and take away both our place. Now, look what they put first, both our place. Isn't that something? And they probably felt convicted because sometimes you could say something and it just come out of you but you heard it and you say they're going to take away our place and our nation too. But what they're really concerned about is their place. Their place. What place is that pastor? Well they're Pharisees. They're religious leaders. They sit in Moses' seat. They got all the applause, all the attention. They got everything. So when, hallelujah, it came down to allowing Jesus to minister or not, the first thing they thought about was their place. Their place. You see? All the accoutrements that, that, that hallelujah, belong to that place. Huh? The temple, the bazaar, the festivals, uh, the money, everything. They were the leaders. And they thought about their place. They were afraid that the Romans would take their place and then, uh, as an addition, take away our nation. We all can see that the selfishness is wrong. This is God. You don't hold your place up when God trying to make a move. You're not concerned about your place when God is trying to do a thing. You got to move out the way of God. Anybody hear me up in here? Your heart should always be like John the Baptist. He must increase and I must decrease. That's the way we all have to be in every single one of our giftings and ministry. Don't ever try to hold up God when God sends something greater down the road. Anybody hear me up in here? And that's what, that's what John was saying, a greater than me is present. So whether you're a minister head, a leader, a minister, a deacon, you look for those with the anointing upon their lives. And you don't fight against them, you help them become all that God wants them to be. You give them opportunity to become all that God wants them to be. You allow the anointing to flourish. Why? Huh? For the glory of God. Amen. For the glory of God. You see? 
But these boys here, they love their position more, huh, than God's glory. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And it's really a characteristic, not of the children of God, but the children of Satan. Because the children of Satan wants to keep the kingdom of God down. Where we keep our best players on the bench instead of in the game. It would be like a coach, huh, keeping his best players on the bench. No, we want our best players in the game. Anybody hear me up in here? Woo! That's why we opening up opportunities. We're going to be teaching opportunities everywhere. We want discipleship training going. We want to run out of rooms. We want to have y'all on the roof teaching a class up there. You understand what I'm saying? We want to give y'all opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity. Now, you got to be right now. And you got to stay right. And you got to be clean. And you got to keep yourself clean. Because if I use my authority, which I've been given, to move you because you're not clean, don't come look at me and blame me. Stay clean. You see? Yeah, I got to do my job. Don't come up here all dirty. Come and try to destroy something that God trying to build. No, you're going to sit your tail down until you're ready. And when you get ready, what Pat's going to do? Let's give it another try. You see? But that's my business. You see? That's my business. That's what I'm called to do. You see? You see? But they say they're going to take away our place in our nation. Now, y'all, this is fear. And fear is never of God. When you're afraid to where it hinders you from doing what you need to do, that's never of God. How do we know this? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? And a sound mind. Fear is not of God. Anytime you operate in fear and it's stopping you from being all that God wants you to be or allowing God's kingdom to flourish, huh? you 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 in error right here. you in error. Proverbs 29, 25. For the fear of man bringeth a snare. It's a trap. It's there to hold you down. That's what fear is. But whosoever put it his trust in the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Now this is something else. Watch this first, lady. <laughs> they scared to let Jesus keep doing his thing because they want to keep their place in their nation. They're fearful of letting him minister because they worried about their place, their temple, their religious situation, and the nation. Huh? The fear drove them to stop Jesus. Huh? In 70 AD, guess what was taken away? Their place and their nation. Did you catch that right now? That's what fear do. The thing you scared of when you operate in fear is going to come to pass. You see what I'm saying? If they would or not. Now, I know Jesus had to go to the cross. Now, now don't be overcritical of me because I understand the dispensations of God. I understand the sovereignty of God. I understand that he was slain before the foundation of the world. I understand that the cross had to happen. I understand that we had to reject him so that the Gentiles could come in. I understand all that. But hypothetically speaking, if they would have accepted Jesus, if they would have believed on Jesus, 
they would have still had their place and their nation. The Romans wouldn't have come through. Jesus would have reigned from Jerusalem. We would have been there in the millennial kingdom reigning over the earth with our Lord even until this day. Somebody give God a shout of praise. The thing they were trying to protect, they forfeited. They were fearful that their place in their nation would be taken away if they accepted Jesus, but it was taken away because they rejected him. The fear of man worketh a snare. What are you afraid of? And what does your fear keep you from doing for God? What, if your, what is your fear of losing keep you in this box? Because your fear is going to be the thing, the catalyst that makes you lose what you're trying to protect. And if you operate outside of that fear, that courage, that boldness will establish what you're trying to protect. Are you with me? You shame to stand in front of people and teach or sing or serve God. Because you're trying to protect your image and your reputation. You're worried about what people think of you. So you stay away from being used by God. But what you don't know is, is that as long as you stay on the shelf, you will have no reputation. You will have no type of, 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 of uh, uh, importance in the sight of people. You're protecting something that you don't have. And your fear keeps you from having a reputation in anything else. If you will put down the fear and pick up the work of the Lord, then the Lord will begin to build you up as you build him up, as you lift him up. He's going to begin to exalt you. And then the thing that you wanted and you were trying to protect because you were scared, now God going to give you that. Now you got a reputation. Now you got an image. Now you a teacher in the house of God. Just a little tiny parable to get some understanding. Listen to me good. Proverbs 10, 24, we give God the glory. He says, the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. The very thing you're scared of, that's going to come upon you. One of the commentators says it like this. The calamity we seek to escape by the sin of fear. Because fear is a sin. In Revelations, as Jesus is going through the different categories of people that don't make it into the new Jerusalem, you know what one of them he say is? The fearful. Fear is a sin because fear will keep you from so many things. It'll ultimately keep you from God, from serving, from church. This is a spirit, man. And that spirit is no good. That spirit of fear made them crucify the Messiah that we had been waiting thousands of years for. That's how strong fear is. And the funny thing about it is, is you got to understand, we are all afraid at some point. Every single one of us. Huh? But it's what you do with that fear. It's the amount of power you allow the fear to have upon you. You think that every time I get up to speak that I'm not a little nervous? You think that I'm not a shy person? I am a shy person. You know, I know y'all can't believe that, but I'm telling y'all, especially with this hat on my head, I feel so funny, so vulnerable. 
You understand what I'm saying? So weird. However, the work of God to me is more important than my own insecurities. And the way he is to be made, huh? the way he is to look to me is more important than the way I look. That's why fear and selfishness go hand in hand. Because whatever you're scared of, you're more worried about yourself than you're more worried about God. Hey, somebody got to hear me up in here. You got to put yourself down and pick God up. Because the righteous are as what? As bold as lions. You see? But the fear, the fearful, they run when no man pursue them. You see? You got to understand the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon them. Watch this. But the desire, you didn't even ask God for it. <laughs> it's your desire. The desire of the righteous shall be granted. What's your desire? The things you ain't even said to nobody. Huh? Huh? Then put that fear down and get to work to glorifying God. Stop letting things get in the way of you glorifying God. Huh? 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 These boys crucified the Lord, sought to hurt and to harm our Savior because they were fearful and they were selfish. Huh? Hallelujah. I have in my notes, you can't be scared of change. Last point of the morning, pride, pride, yeah, pride. What's your response to the miracle? Their response was hurt and harm upon Jesus. Why would they do that if they saw the miracles firsthand? Why would they act like that? They act like that, hallelujah, because of, like we had just talked about, they wasn't saved, fear and selfishness, but also pride. Somebody say pride. That's right, pride. Pride is an excessive high opinion about yourself. All right? It's not having an opinion about yourself. We all think some kind of way of ourselves. But pride is an excessively high opinion about yourself. And that opinion is usually false. Is <laughs> when you're not as good as you think you are. Now, that's why we all have pride. All of us. And so when we start pointing our finger about who's proud and who's not, we got to be careful. Because pride is in all of us, y'all. All right? And it's kind of the way that God makes us, but then we take that and we pervert that. All right, because we all should love ourselves, but that pride take that love and take it up a notch. Oh, we love ourselves a lot, too much. You understand what I'm saying? But we all have pride. You know what I'm saying? We all think we look good, all of us, every single one of us, huh? Even the ones that's, that they borderline, they still, yeah, I'm good. They'll tell you in a minute. My mom ain't made no ugly children. They tell you in a minute. And how can a man argue with a man? Mom, we like, yeah, okay, that's what your mama said. <laughs> y'all bad, yeah. But we all got this, this, this opinion of ourselves, and so we all have pride because in certain areas, huh? 
we have an excessively high opinion about ourselves. And, and Charles Spurgeon, the old prince of preachers, they used to call him, he defined humility as a proper appreciation of oneself. It's when you really know yourself. And you not only just take the good about yourself, but you take the bad about yourself. You put it all together, and then you say, this is me. All right? All right? The proud just take the good. Huh? But they don't take the, the, the faults they have, the errors they have. They never talk about uh, the, the inward thoughts and the inward workings. Huh? If we had to really take a proper appreciation of ourselves, huh? our anger issues, huh? our, our greed issues, our selfish issues, our lust issues, our, our addictions, huh? and I'm just talking about the present. If we had to put the past in with that, like where we came from, how we was when he found us, and who we would still be if he had not found us, if we had a proper appreciation of ourselves, that would be called humility. You see? You see? And that's the definitions of humility and pride. And pride is the opposite of humility. It's when we don't have a proper appreciation of ourselves, where things are actually exaggerated. Well, pride is one of the reasons the Pharisees responded to Jesus with hate and harm. It was one of the reasons. You see? And this pride is going to manifest itself in different ways, especially in your life. Huh? And the Pharisees, it manifested itself uh, for, as a desire for the people, for the people. That's what that pride did. They, they wanted the people. Pastor, what you mean? It was the crowds. Crowds were coming to Jesus. People were flocking to see him. And certain people were the issue of pride. Huh? That pride is so strong that they want the people. They want the crowds. You see? It's that pride. You see? And that was the problem of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. As we go back to our text in John 12, 9, this was their problem. Look, it says much people of the Hebrews, therefore, knew that he was there, and much people came, you know? And they came for Jesus, true, Miss Denise, but they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see who? Lazarus also. Huh? But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Why? Because that by reason of him, many of the Hebrews went away. Went away from what? Went away from them. Went away from them and believed on who? On Jesus. The people was the problem. They wanted the people. They wanted the crowds. They wanted their services packed. And Jesus, the Son of God, was gathering the people. And they had a problem with that. That's why it didn't matter what Jesus did. They would never believe Jesus, never follow him, because they wanted the people that badly. You see? They, they, they would discredit Jesus. They would say he had a devil. They would say he had a Beelzebub. They would say anything, y'all. Say he was a, his mama was a harlot. Why? They just wanted the crowds back. You see? Everything the Pharisees did was for the people and to be seen of men. If we go back to Matthew chapter 6, we know that Jesus, man, he, he, he lit them up, y'all. He called them hypocrites. 
He said, because when they gave, they gave to be seen of men. He said, when they prayed, standing in the temple, huh? Hallelujah. They prayed to be seen of men. And when they fasted, huh? They went around and told everybody when they was fasting, disfigured their faces, put dust on their face, flour on their face, whatever they had to do. They wanted to appear to men to fast. Why? Because all they wanted was the people. Everything they were doing was to be seen of men. In Matthew 23, 5, look what it says. But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, enlarge their borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at the feast, the chief seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the marketplace that men would call them rabbi, rabbi. But be not be called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Everything was for the, for the, for the, to be seen the men. 25, Jesus gets on them. He said, y'all so focused to be seen. So focused to be seen. And y'all doing everything right to look good on the outside. But you're wicked on the inside. So Jesus says in 25, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion, excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, then that which is outside of them may be clean also. You're too worried about looking good for the people instead of looking good for God. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites in 27, for you are like white sepulchres, white gravestones, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of what? Dead man's bones. You look like a Christian on the outside, but you're lost and you're dead on the inside. Even so, you are outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. 29, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, and garners the sepulchres of the righteous. Because Jesus is saying, hallelujah, look at y'all. Look at y'all, he said. He said, after the prophets killed by people like y'all, then y'all go and y'all want to make a monument. Y'all want to build a tomb. Huh? Y'all want to y'all wanna assassinate Martin Luther King, and now y'all want to build, build a statue of him. Y'all want to kill Malcolm X, and now y'all want to worship him after he did. Y'all want to talk about Bob Marley now and buy his music and talk about when he was a legend. But listen, y'all were behind his debt. Why in the world? Huh? Why in the world? Would God send prophets to a people that hate their prophets while their prophets are with them? But after their prophets are gone, they're the best people in the world. It's a mark of the seed of the devil. You see? You got to give your flowers to people while they're living, baby. You got to honor your prophets while they're with you, man. But listen, that's what he said. Y'all are hypocrites. You're building their tombs. Going out there putting flowers by. That'd be like you. You a prophet. And, you, and, and listen, they hate you in life. But let something happen to you. They be by your grave every day. Giving honor to your name. Oh, I miss her so much. It's like you'd like to reach up there and grab their neck. You ain't miss me, you hater. Ooh, my cap getting tight. It's almost time to shut it down. I could barely breathe up in here with this thing on my head. Hallelujah. He says this, 
And I say, verse 30, if we had, and, and say, if we had been there in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them killing the prophets. 31, wherefore you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. You know, 33, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? 34, behold, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill, others you're going to crucify, some you're going to scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. You see? They hated Jesus because they wanted the crowns. They did everything they could to be seen of men and to appear religious. And when Jesus came on the scene, he was real. Didn't do all of that stuff they was doing. And God's people was flocking to Jesus. And they couldn't stand it. Don't be a person who, are, who, who is about the crowds. Don't be about the people. When you serve God, you serve God no matter how many people following you. Whether you're preaching to one or 1,000, you get up with the same energy, you get up with the same anointing, you don't care about the man down the street that got 700 and you only got seven, don't worry about that. Because if you keep doing what you're doing for God, he say, if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw all men unto me. Don't ever be about the people. And that pride will make you about the people. And you start hating other God's children only because they have more people than you. No, baby. Wait on your season. Wait on your time. They coming, baby. Run your race. And stop worrying about somebody else's. I'm winding down. The praise of men is another reason why pride can manifest the Pharisees not only loved the people, but they loved the praise of people, the clapping, the worship, the applause. I love to allow people to come preach up here for the first time, and I watch them close. And when they're preaching and they say something good, Minister Sam, and they hear that clapping, you could see them, boy. A little smile come on their face. It's so tempting. You know what I'm saying? It's praise. And for some who, hallelujah, you didn't get that when you was young, they ain't never say good job to you. You know? That praise can be, can be addictive. And you start doing what you do just for applause. And you can miss the real reason why you're up here. You see, I know sometimes I'm going to preach messages that nobody going to clap for. I know sometimes he's going to send me with something in here, hallelujah, where, listen, y'all not only not going to clap, but y'all going to be looking at me sideways while I'm walking out of here. Huh? But if you never do it for this, then you don't mind how the people respond. <laughs> he told Jeremiah, you know what I'm saying? He said, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't even, don't even worry about that because we're not doing anything we do for them. You see? And that's when you, that's when you could be God-led. You know, when you're God-led, you're going to make decisions that people don't agree with. You're going to make decisions that people are going to be mad at. But the people should never be your reason for doing what you do. You know, Saul followed the people when God was directing Saul to do something. Saul disobeyed God to do what the people wanted. And that's why God rejected him and removed him as king. It wasn't the people that made Saul king. It was God that made Saul king. 
And a lot of the times, when you're in leadership, God going to test you. He's going to make the people feel one way, and he's going to lead you the exact opposite way. And he's going to say, what you going to do? Huh? What you going to do? But pastor, the people, uh, 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 God, the people going to be mad. God, the people going to be, huh? Huh? Okay. 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 Understand something. Who made you pastor? And who made you minister? And who made you deacon? And who made you a teacher? Huh? It was God that made it first. Then the people came. As we look at Saul, Saul was made king first. The anointing was placed on him. The anointing brought the people. The people never brought the kingship. The kingship is what brought the people. <laughs> so as you lead, always do what God wants you to do. And you're going to be all right. You're going to be absolutely all right. You're going to be all right. You see? But is that clapping? Is that applause? You see? You see? When I first started preaching, I would tell people, don't even clap for me. You know? You know? Yeah. Until you know that they can clap. And when they clap on the inside, look what you're doing. Wouldn't even have nothing to say without him, Miss Mary. Come on, somebody. Give him some glory. I love this. They wanted the praise. And, and this, is, this is what took the king, man. John chapter 12. Here we go. John chapter 12. Hallelujah. John 12 and 12. On the next day, much people that will come to the feast when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. All right, watch that. Much people will come into the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Jesus and cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Luke describes this in chapter 19. Hallelujah. And he describes it in 19 that all the people came to Jesus and Jesus was, was on a donkey, huh? And he's riding through, huh? And, 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 and people began to take off their garments and spread them along the roadway. And they had all these, these palm branches and they was praising Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 blessed be the king of Israel that cometh in the lame name of the Lord. Luke 19 39 says this. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Stop them from praising you. Stop them from applauding. Stop them. Huh? And they did that because they did they wanted the praise. They did everything for the praise. But now that they praising Jesus, they telling Jesus, Stop your disciples. Jesus said in verse 40. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the rocks, the very stones would cry out. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Jesus said, if these people stop praising me, the rocks on the side of the road are going to say hallelujah. 
the rocks on the side of the road going to say Baruch, Haba, Bashem, Yahweh. Anybody hear me up in here? Hey, God, rocks and stones going to stop jumping, huh? Huh? Because he created them all. He created them all. And so they, the people had to shout. They had to give God the praise. Huh? But the, the Pharisees was mad because they wanted the praise. You're going to meet people in your life. And they're going to be mad when other people lift you up because of your accomplishments and because of what God doing in you. And as they come up to you and shake your hand and say, this is yours. And they say, you did all this. And, and, and you, you're not going to take no credit. You're going to say, God did it. And, and they're going to say, man, you, you're wonderful. And you're going to say, God is wonderful. And you're going to be given the glory where the glory is due. But other people standing on the side going to watch people come and, and, and say, hallelujah. Oh, your food is so good. And, and your shop is so nice. And, and your position that they gave you, other people on the side without it going to look. And they're going to be watching. All these people applaud you and praise you. And you're going to see it on their faces. If you have discernment while people are giving you praise, look around the room. You're going to always begin, you're going to always be able to tell the seed of the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get so captivated by what they're telling you. Just do a quick look around the room. And there'd be people that, look, they'd be right at me. They face or manifest something. Or they'll make a joke about you. You see? Oh, yeah, you should have saw them before. I... Or they're going to try to take the credit. But I, I, I was the one that advised them. You know, they would have never have nothing if I wasn't on their side. You know, I made it happen for them. Now, here you are trying to give the glory to God. And they're here trying to take the glory for themselves. And watch this. After them people give you glory and they leave, they mad. They're going to look at you and say, oh, they change. You see, I'm fixing my face because that's how they talk. It's a little rat face manifesting. Oh, they change. They're not the same no more. You know, I changed my voice. See, they're not the same no more. You know, they don't let all that go to their head. They proud now. They want the glory. And all they're doing is projecting on you what's really wrong with them. You ain't never wanted no glory. You always wanted the glory to be for God. That's how you always wanted. You always want. But now they're saying you proud, proud. <laughs> so y'all be ready for that. As God lifts you up and people are going to applaud you, they're going to give you the accolades, huh? You quickly give it to God. But do a quick pan of the room. And you're going to see him. And when they do that to you, you ain't going to be surprised. Everybody else is going to be surprised when they do that to you. But you ain't going to be surprised, baby. The mother people playing checkers, you playing chess. You understand what I'm saying? you like, you like, look, they're going to be so surprised. You're going to be like, baby, I've been new. Somebody say, Yah, yeah. give me discernment so, so I can see my haters. My haters. Come on, give y'all some praise up in here. I'm going to do this one and then we're going to go. Uh, Pastor, you said this already. No, I'm serious. This is the last one. The pride. 
made them want to hurt Jesus and harm him. The pride for the, for the crowds, the people. Great job. The, the, the praise of men. But also the want of preeminence. The want of preeminence. Pastor, what is preeminence? Preeminence is the desire huh, to surpass all others. To be superior. It's a superiority complex. If you're in a room or you're part of an organization, you have to be number one. And you will not stop until you get that top spot, no matter who you got to step on to get there. That's the preeminence. The preeminence is wanting to be above others in rank and our importance. You got to look on your face. It's full of pride. And you will not be satisfied in every room you go in until you feel like you are the most important person in that room. It's a spirit of pride. You want all the attention. And if anybody else gets the attention, they immediately become your enemy. And it don't matter if they're better than you, if they're greater than you, if they're more talented than you. Your pride deceives you into thinking that you deserve the praise and you deserve the importance. You see? This brother been playing all his life. You get up here, can barely know your ABCs and, and language. You sure don't know it on the keys. And y'all both do something. And that pride will say, I'm, I surpass all others. You know? Can't even beatbox on tune. Somebody say the preeminence. That preeminence is controlling power. Well, you not only want to be the most important, but you want to control people. You want people to do what you say. And you won't stop manipulating. You won't stop maneuvering until you place yourself in a position where other people listen and tell you. It's a very diabolical spirit, the spirit of preeminence. And it's a spirit why our people can't get along to this day. We have this demonic spirit of wanting to know who's the greatest, of who's in charge. And it's a spirit that's been on us since the days of Jesus. When Jesus was in his earthly ministry, he always had to stop the bars from arguing. And you want to know what they was arguing about all the time? I'm talking about the apostles, y'all. What they was fussing about all the time was this. Who's the greatest? It's a problem with our people. It's a problem that we still don't have resolved to this day. We don't know the great ones among us. And the ones who are not great by any stretch of the imagination yet are acting like they're great. And there's no humility. And there's no understanding. And we don't give honor to whom honor is due. And we expect honor. And we've done nothing to receive it just yet. Listen to me good, man. I'm, I, I've been blessed to, to represent the city of Lafayette in a court case that's going on. So me and another team of lawyers, we represent the city. And I'm going in there and I'm rubbing elbows with them people. And I'm, I'm still amazed how I'm in the same room with some of these people. Because I'm like, oh, God, I'm just a little Negro from half Vizier, half Macomb. How, how, how am I here? You see? 
But I'm watching all these people, huh? It ain't too many of us in the room when they talking. I'm, I'm just watching them. And these people can be on adversarial sides and still treat each other with respect. They sitting up there not trying to figure out who the greatest in the room. By the time they walk in the room, they know who the greatest is in the room. They done did their research. They know what college that person went to. They know the accomplishments. They know their mama, their daddy, what lineage they come from. And so they're not coming in with the big chest like us Negroes trying to act like we the greatest. They already know who the greatest in the room. So they're showing respect and deference. They're dealing with each other with some sense and some understanding. I'm, I'm bewildered, y'all. I'm looking at this. Y'all on different sides. We got $55 million on the table that's at risk. And y'all can still talk to each other with some sense? With some respect? With some dignity and with some honor and nobody trying to play bigger than the other one. God, when that's going to happen to our people, God? We still fighting for the preeminence. The ones who ain't done nothing want to be the greatest. The ones who've done something trying to be humble. <laughs> but dear Negroes, minister. Come on, come on. Just, y'all just sit there just for a little while longer. Just, just, come on, come on, brother Corey. Just a little while longer. Just, let me show y'all. Matthew 18, 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, they asking Jesus now, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They want Jesus to say, you Peter, you John, you whatever. Jesus is like, oh God. Mark 9, 33. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? Now we walk and they fussing. Jesus said, what y'all was fussing at, by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Luke 9 and 46, then there arose a reasoning among them, which, uh, which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus proceeding, the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me, for he that is least among you all the same shall be the greatest. See, there was always fussing about who would be the greatest. Our people do the same thing. Constantly try to undercut one another, hate on one another, and even try to harm one another because we're afraid that somebody would be considered greater than us. It's just such a demonic stronghold, you see? And it's so sad. And it's the reason why the other races work better than us. Because they submit to their leaders and we resist our leaders and fight against our leaders and try to usurp our leaders and try to take over what our leaders done built. This is the way we operate and we can't get nowhere like that. 
Listen to me here. Listen to me here. You see? Don't be like the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And they still trying to play like they better than him. Still fighting him for authority. If our God came back today, the niggas, the Negroes, <laughs> the Negroes would be fighting him today like they were fighting him back then. Who's the greatest? You see? I'm going to help you. You got to do an inventory of yourself. And I'm not trying to humiliate you, but I'm trying to keep it real. Because humility is a proper appreciation of yourself. So before you come into the presence of other people, you do an inventory to remember who you are. All right. When you do that inventory and you go in the room, huh? That inventory might be so good to where you say, "Okay, I belong in the upper echelons in the room." But that inventory in other rooms may put you to where I'm going to stay quiet, keep my mouth closed because these people have done way more than me in life and I am not going to be a fool and open my mouth cuz I don't have the experiences that they have. For even a fool is considered wise when he holdeth his peace. You see? So do an inventory of yourself. The first inventory that we should do is a spiritual inventory. We go into a room, we say, okay, how am I spiritually? Huh? How am I walking? How am I talking? Am I obedient? Do I know the word of God like the people in the room that I'm going in? Do I know the signs, the times? Am I, am I connected with God like the people that I'm going in? Because sometimes people just get saved. And they come in the room with people who've been saved longer, serving longer, and they're the ones doing the most talking. That's the spirit of pride. You see? And the people that have been saved longer, let them talk because that's the spirit of humility. You see, before you go in a room, do a spiritual inventory of yourself. How am I with God? How long have I been serving God? And has my service been like the people who I am in the room with? If you do that, guess what? You are going to be humble in every room that you go in. You see, a spiritual inventory. Secondly, you do an educational inventory. That's right. You look at yourself and you say, how's my education? You say, okay, what grade I went to? Did I get a degree? Did I get some type of uh, technical training? And you evaluate that in every room you go in. huh? Because some rooms going to be all about a certain trade, a certain technicality that you don't have no idea about. I'm being quiet in the room when Isaac is in the room talking about floors. Why? That's not my education. You understand what I'm saying? I'm being quiet with fashion and style when Miss Leola is in the room. Why? That's not my education. You see? We get proud when we don't evaluate our education before we walk into the room. You're talking about law, hallelujah, all big and bad, but this person that went to Yale Law School and you ain't went to Big A and Visa, the pink store. 
Can I teach you humility? Can I come against that spiritual preeminence? There's no need for me to talk about mortgages when duck is in the room. When they got a legal question, minister always, listen, listen, I can tell you what I think, but we got a lawyer on the phone right here. Listen, pastor's going to tell y'all what's going on. You see? Do you operate doing an inventory of your spiritual and educational wherewithal when you walk in the room before you get the big chest? Who's the greatest? You see? Financially. Do you do an inventory financially? Because black people got it bad. I understand we gifted of making a dollar look like a hundred. I understand we can make a thousand look like a million, baby. I'm telling you, listen, we can go to the thrift store and look like we just came out of Louis Vuitton. Anybody hit me up in here? We up in there, look. The music stuff going while we walking. Yeah, we could do all of that. And, and that brings a spirit of pride upon us. We go in places, y'all, where people are more financially blessed than us. Huh? And we act like we're more financially blessed than them. And it's the spirit of preeminence. They in the room, man, they millionaires, can't you see? I'm in a room with them boys, man, them boys own buildings downtown, you know. Omar, you saw my building? My, yeah, yeah. I'm chill, dog. I'm chill. Not that I don't own stuff, too, but you got to understand who you're rubbing your elbows against. You up in there, listen, hallelujah, your savings account, hallelujah, hey, God, is, is, is a negative 50. And you start talking about giving financial wisdom. Y'all don't know the words that just came into my mind just now. We do that for the preeminence. I'm most important. I want to rule. I want to influence. You ain't got nothing. And you ain't did nothing. And listen, with the grace of God, you will have all those things. But don't act like it until you get it. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Yes, it's just knowing how to roll inventory spiritually, educationally, financially, politically, and, and, and your family. Don't be giving out all kind of family advice and acting like you all that and your family in tatters. Don't do that. You're married, your children, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. You're flowing by the seat of your pan, but you, 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 you up in there, you, you the family expert. You Dr. James Dobson. <laughs> Just filed the divorce papers this morning, but, but, but leading the class in the evening. Know what room you're in. Look at your marriage, look at your children, look, look at the people around you, look at their marriage, look at their church. Do an inventory and stop trying to be the big dog on the block. When you're really a chihuahua. Ain't nothing wrong with chihuahuas. Everybody need a chihuahua. Taco Bell needed a chihuahua, chicken cheetah, Taco Bell. Everybody needed a chihuahua every now and then. But don't you be running with the great Danes and the pit bulls. You get your neck broke. 
do a spiritual inventory and act accordingly. I know that God is doing something in you. And I know you're about to have things that you ain't never dreamed of having. I know he's taking you places that you ain't never saw yourself. I know all of that. And I know that, listen, on the inside, your gift is bigger than where you are right now. And I'm trying to help you because as long as you are proud, that's awesome, Brother Cor. As long as you are proud, God will always abase the proud. But he will exalt the humble. Stop fighting. Stop fighting for the preeminence. Stop trying to be the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher, the, the greatest prophet, the, the greatest wife, the, the greatest husband, the, the greatest businessman, the, 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 the greatest this, the greatest most educated. Stop trying to be all that because you're not all that yet. Wait for God. Wait for God. Wait for God. That's why he had to fuss at them, John, all the time because they was all fighting for the chief seat at a party. They was all fighting for Moses. See, everybody going to the top of the place, still acting like the Negroes. Jesus said, why are you doing that? You're going to take the top seat and they're going to shame you. Because they got greater people in the room than you. You see? When you can admit that, you're on your way. Huh? Huh? Can you say that with me? Would your pride stop you from saying, and this is what we're going to say, there are greater people on earth than me. Can, can your pride stop you from saying that? It's not that you're canceling what God's going to do in your life, but right now, in some area, somebody's greater than you. Somebody, you can't build no house. You, can't, you don't know carpentry. You don't know optometry. That in some area, somebody's greater than you. Can we admit that? Say with me, God, I know that in some area, there is someone greater than me. Give me the humility to be able to see it. Destroy this spirit of preeminence in our people help us to humble ourselves first under you secondly under the men the women who you have anointed as our leaders help us to not make the same mistakes over and over again give us a submissive heart one heart to know who's in charge in Jesus name amen 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 come on give God some glory give him some glory somebody give him some glory Give him some glory up in this house. This is the answer right here. If we knew who was in charge, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. It's all about the preeminence. 
It's all about the preeminence. Listen, even the animal kingdom know who's in charge. Hey, God, the apes and the gorillas bow down to those who are anointed greater than them. The young lions, the crabs and crawfish, they all know who their leaders are. What happened to the Hebrews? What happened? And if we crucified our chief leader, what the rest of us leaders got a chance at doing? We need a heart change. We need a heart change. I've kept you too long. Listen, but we've talked about some important things today. I pray that God take what we talked about and write them with a pin of iron, with a tip of a diamond upon the pages of our hearts. Know how to be when you're in the presence of greatness. You see? Ushers, open up the gates. We talked about salvation. And we said that the number one problem why we can't get on the same page is that folk not saved. That folks still could be the seed of the devil. Ooh, this little head is hurting me up here. <laughs> Lord, day. But I'm scared to take it off. I'm scared to take it off. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Listen, if you want to be saved in this place, we're going to have this altar call. Salvation is easy. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Believe in his death, burial, and his resurrection. And confess him that he is Lord over your life. And take it seriously and meet it in your heart. And God's going to save you. Everything is going to change in your life, including the way that you get along with the people of God. Secondly, if you hear and this word spoke to you in some kind of way, it touched you. I don't even know what part. I can't even begin. Because you know what God told you in this message. We got to get to a place as a people where we let him have his way. So if that's you, hey God, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. Here we are. We're going to pray and get out of here. Come to the altar. I kept y'all long today. I know. I'm sorry about that too. I'm going to make up on Tuesday. Come on. I'm going to make it up on Tuesday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Cassandra. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Brett. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, Agnes, what's going on? Take it. Take it. Hallelujah. Miss Monique and Heyman at the altar. Come on now. Hallelujah. Brother Grant. Hallelujah. Thank you. If it's not pleasing. Hallelujah, Miss Lou. Hallelujah. Take it out. Take it out. That's all we want. Take it out. Hallelujah, Jesus. If it's not pleasing. Woo! Come on, somebody. Take it. Take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Woo. We can't walk. We can't walk. I see this. We can't walk without it. We can't Hallelujah. No, we can't. No, we can't. Come on. Hey. Tell him have his way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. Hey. 
pray in this place y'all somebody say God I can't do nothing without you forgive me of pride you deserve all the glory cause everything I am and everything I have comes from you forgive me of all my sins I admit I've done some wrong but you know that I still love you I give you my heart my soul have your way I believe you died for all my sins I believe you were buried in the grave. And I believe you rose on the third day. Save me. Fill me up. Show me my purpose. And bless me. Give me peace, joy, love. Help me to be thankful. Show me my gifts and take my life to the next level. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And remember, saints, always stay humble. Always stay humble. It's better to be humble than proud. Because if you stay low, God's going to take you straight to the top. Straight to the top. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. Hallelujah. Be gracious unto you. Woo! And bless you with peace. With Shalom, Shalom Israel, love y'all, be blessed, be blessed, hallelujah, Woo! come on somebody, take it, take it out of me, come on somebody, love y'all, love y'all, appreciate y'all, hallelujah, I love that man, that fire, thank you, Bless you. Oh, hey, beautiful. You, I love that. I love that. Hey, I like your head.